Well, good morning to all of you. This is, uh, so, except for those that were here maybe on Wednesday night, this is our first time to gather together when, uh, when we say it's 2019. And uh, I found myself this week, something I had to write, making a note, you know, and I'm like, okay, stop, pause, think. It's actually, I can't write uh, the year 18 anymore because that year's gone. And uh, so uh, as we start out into a new year, I uh, trust and pray that uh, uh, the Lord would lead us and lead us as, uh, as families and as individuals here at this place uh, in our worship and service of Him. So hope you'll continue to pray this morning uh, as we go throughout the uh, time of service here together. Uh, because it ought to be for us uh, when we gather together, I think it ought to be a time when we, uh, uh, a time of joy and a time of excitement to think about God's Word. Uh, I have found myself over the last, uh, started back uh, a few months ago, well, a few months ago we were reading, uh, Brother Adam had us reading through some things related to Jeremiah and related to the coming of the, the Lord and uh, leading up to the Christmas and what they call Advent season and so forth. And so got to reading some things in Jeremiah and uh, kind of got really more, probably more excited about in, in reading some things in Jeremiah than I ever had and just noticing how... He was pronouncing the various uh, wraths on various kings and priests uh, of that time and so forth. But then uh, this uh, back this week, we started through a, uh, uh, a plan to try to read through the Bible this year. And uh, so if any of you are interested in that, let me know. And uh, we'll be glad to share what I'm doing. I'm just uh, u- using a, a thing I'd gotten offline, so it's not that complicated uh, uh, to try to do that. But I think as we get more uh, interested and excited in, in thinking about God's Word, it will help uh, our daily lives and fix us more to think about Him and about uh, serving Him. So uh, as we go looking at some things, uh, what we've done here for a few months uh, now, I guess I uh, know going back at least into November, we've talked about, uh, uh, the subject of what's God's vision for the church. And, uh, as we did that, began to talk about, uh, uh I guess some early things in there about, uh, how God would have us to, uh, love one another and so forth. Uh, is is an overarching by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one to another. I think that's a that's a clarifying remark. I think to uh, the New Testament church and and probably uh, makes us totally different uh, uh, organization uh, if you want to call it that uh, than anybody else in the world. It should be our love one to another. And so, uh, as we've looked at that, then we, we tore off on uh, a few weeks of looking, several weeks of looking at a couple of metaphors that we find in the scriptures about, uh, about the church. And one of those is uh, that we are the building, uh, uh, a building of God, and that uh, that building is built on the right foundation, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the foundation of the apostles. And then we're to build on that ourselves, both doctrinally, and by and our lives, and so that's to be a foundation stone for us to think about how do we how do we frame ourselves together? Uh, and, we, and over the time of talking about this over the last several months, we talked about the fact that as we think about a building framed up, and that if we if the church is a building, then we've got to be kind of squared up, you know, and, uh, don't want to be out of shape or uh, out out of angle, and and everything put together right as we're doing it. We do that by starting at the cornerstone, always going back 
uh, even as Brother Adam's been talking to us for, uh, as he noted, I think last weekend, uh, he's been talking to us for two years now out of the book of Matthew, and we're not done yet. Uh, and you say, well, why, why spend that amount of time going through the, through the book of Matthew? Because, uh, we are a, uh, we are a, follow, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And what better way to be followers of Jesus Christ than to know what he said <laughs> and to know what he did. And so he's been taking us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, going through the book of Matthew. And so again, part of that vision, who are we? We're to be disciples and followers of Jesus Christ and to know how he treated people and how he acted and what he did. That's to be our mold and our model for following things. So uh, when we think about a building, again, Christ is the cornerstone. That's where we start building our lives uh, about how we're to conduct ourselves individually as a church, uh, as families, as parents, uh, as uh, husbands and wives and all those things that go into that. Uh, and then we talked about being a body and how each body has each part of that body is important uh, and different members, but we all have different gifts yet the yet the same is we 're to be working together using our gifts together here to serve the Lord and to serve each other and serve this community so uh, that 's the metaphors we 've talked about up until this time. I want to turn and look at one more briefly, and we may uh, not spend all the time this morning looking at this. Uh, but one of the other things that's mentioned, uh, and as I've looked at this, just tried to think uh, some on this, is also the church is called the bride. Uh, and as we look at this this morning, I want to turn over to the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. And we'll find there what's typically used when, t- when t- uh, talking about husbands and wives and their relationship to each other. <clears throat> but the Apostle Paul makes it very clear at the end of this writing here in Ephesians chapter 5. He's talking about Christ and church. And so uh, as we as we look at this, it doesn't mean, and he, he even says so himself, doesn't mean you can't apply this to husbands and wives here, but it also we ought to be thinking about a bigger picture and a greater picture also about how our function is as a church uh, in relationship to our, our husbandman, our bridegroom, uh, Jesus Christ. So uh, as we go down through here, we'll just start with Ephesians chapter 5 and... Uh, and, and I'll start just reading into this so you get a little flavor for what the Apostle Paul's writing. Uh, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual, uh, uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord again. Uh, the Ephesian letter is talking about. We talked about some of this uh, early on uh, in these series of sermons, talking about in chapter four about how uh, God's given gifts. Uh, he's given some apostles and some uh, uh, some prophets and some pastors and teachers and some evangelists and so forth. Uh, and all this is for the edifying of the body of Christ uh, and for the body of the of the church. And so. Uh, here, this uh, teaching carries on in Ephesians 4 and 5, and without me covering all of 5, 
<coughs> he then talks about how uh, that we're to uh, understand the will of the Lord, that we're not to be uh, drunk in excess of wine, but we are to be filled with the Spirit of God. In other words, our joy and our the thing that lifts us up above the, the cares of this world shouldn't be going out and getting drunk like a lot of the world does on, on wine and other, uh, other things that you might drink, but to be filled with the Spirit of God and let that be the thing that causes joy and uh, lifts our spirits up. It causes us to rise above the problems of this world. He said we're also to be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, making melody in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another uh, in the fear of God. And then he says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. So again, he's teaching uh, here about husbands and wives, but then as you'll see, there's a bigger picture in, in, in also in place here in this portion of Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, a lot of times we were talking about this uh, in a brief way last night uh, as we were, some of us were getting together and talking about some things, but he, he made, uh, making the comment, wives, submit yourselves into your own, uh, own husbands <clears throat> as of the Lord. I guess we get two things out of that. One, uh, the wife is to submit herself, submit herself to the leadership of the husband. Uh, there also talks about the, but the husbands to love the wife, the wife like Christ loved the church. <clears throat> you can't. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can't just use one of those verses and say, well, why the, the Bible talks about submission without talking about the role of the other person, too, and how they're supposed to conduct themselves. If you do, you get a disjointed view of what uh, the marriage is to look like. And so, uh, as he talks about this, wives, submit yourselves to your, to your own husbands. I think that's the other part that comes out of this. Uh, the, the wife is to submit herself to her husband, not to every husband, uh, not to any husband, uh, but to her husband. Uh, and to be submissive to his leadership for the husband, uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Uh, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands uh, in everything. Uh, so we could go into a long discussion about all this. I'll just say this. Being submissive doesn't mean being a slave. Uh, and it doesn't mean being a dictator in the household. Uh, uh, Christ gives us a, a firm, grand, kind leadership. Uh, and in doing that, uh, Christ laid down his life for the church. Uh, and gave himself wholly for it uh, in the most uh, magnificent way that could be possible. He gave everything he had in order to save and redeem and purchase that bride. He gave everything he had for her. And then what the, what he calls for, having given his all uh, for his bride, then he asks that she submit herself uh, to the leadership of Christ uh, in uh, in everything, uh, in serving him. And, and doing that, that would be according to biblical guidelines uh, of how uh, he would do things. And so that would carry over into the home. Uh, the husband shouldn't be setting up guidelines that are unbiblical for the home. His leadership 
leadership ought to be right in line with what the Bible says uh, and leading the home and the family and guiding it. To, I mean, he ought to be the one that's leading uh, in coming to church. <laughs> he ought to be the one that's leading uh, in, uh, in having a biblical household and guiding the children and teaching them. He's to be leading all this. He's to be guiding all this. And the and the uh, as I used to say years ago, when I probably preached on some of these things a little bit more than I do have in recent years, uh, you know, you tell me if if you have a husband that loves his wife like Christ loved the church, uh, it won't be hard to submit yourself to that kind of leadership, that kind of love, and that kind of care, and that kind of guidance in the home. So he says uh, uh, that uh, in talking about this, he says for the husband is the head of the wife even as or in like manner as uh, Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore as Christ uh, as the ch- as the church is subject unto Christ so let wives be to their own husbands in everything husbands love your wives even as in like manner as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it and he uh, that he might sanctify it uh, that means separate it. Uh, the church is to be separate from the rest of the world. It's not to be just another uh, worldly organization. It's not to be the uh, uh, the local Kiwanis Club. Uh, it's not to be the local uh, Lions Club. Uh, it's not to be some local organization. Uh, it's to be uh, he died and he gave himself for it that he might sanctify it. Uh, and he separated uh, uh, those that he loved from the rest of the world that he might cleanse it uh, with the washing of water by the word and that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish. Uh, So now you think about what Christ did for the church here and how he gave himself for it, sanctified it, uh, redeemed it uh, uh, with the washing of his word Word, and that he might present to himself a glorious church. Uh, you think about uh, uh, lifting someone up above their their nature. Uh, uh, husbands ought to be, and uh, in, in, you know, many times we talk, we kid around, and uh, sometimes very true kidding. Uh, uh, but uh, some some uh, some young man will get married to, to some young lady, and they'll say he married up. Uh, uh, well, that's definitely usually true. Uh, uh, but the uh, uh, the principle ought to be uh, also uh, uh, that the husband is to lift the bride above whatever she brings to the marriage he's to lift her up Christ sanctified it cleansed it by the washing of his word uh, that he might present it to himself a glorious church uh, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish now I'm telling you that's a pretty picture of what Christ has done for the church and then he's describing this uh, and saying husbands you ought to be presenting your wives in such a way that you ought to be lifting them up in such a way that they're without spot or wrinkle or blemish or, or any such thing now, isn't that, that's pretty to me to even think about so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. We've already said this uh, in other places. Uh, I, we t- if we turn back over uh, into the uh, first part of the book of Ephesians, uh, it tells us over there that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. This kind of plays into that bride part, I think, a little bit. Uh, if we turn back over there and look at this, how God we were God chose us in Christ. 
to be in him. Now you say, how could we be chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? Don't ask me to explain some of the great mysteries I think of the Bible, uh, uh, that God loved us uh, before the foundation of the world. He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that he might present present us uh, as a glorious bride. So so ought men to love their own wife, their, love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife <coughs> loveth himself. Uh, the picture that I get here, when I look at this, I get a picture of going right back to the garden. I get a picture of going back over and seeing Adam the, uh, and Eve as, uh, as God uh, created the first man and the first woman. Uh, the Bible tells us over there in Genesis chapter 2, uh, uh, that uh, well, Genesis chapter 1, that he made them, male and female made he them, uh, after the image of God, uh, uh, the triune Godhead, he made them in their image. Uh, <clears throat> but it tells us there uh, uh, that after Adam had named all... That, get that picture... Uh, as, as Brother Allen and I have talked about, our, our, my, my friend over there in Birmingham talks about this being even in the Trinity and in the picture of Christ being what he calls compound unity. A lot of times we think about people say, how do you describe uh, the, uh, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one? He says, compound unity. Uh, Now you think about Adam, uh, uh, how God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning. He made made them male and female, made he them, uh, uh, after the very image of the Godhead. Uh, Yet we find Adam over there being first, uh, being, being there... Uh, naming all the animals that God brought before him. And and after he had named all the animals, it says God noticed uh, there was no one for the man. So he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He laid him down there in the garden. Uh, He did surgery on him that day. Uh, He took a rib from his side because she was in him when he created them. When he created uh, Adam and Eve, he created her in him uh, as part of that rib. And he removed that rib uh, and he made out of that rib a woman. uh, And he brought her to the man uh, and gave her to him uh, uh, to be a part of his body now that was his wife. Do you understand? And so uh, uh, it was compound unity. Now he separated them, but they were to still be compound unity. They were to still be together. And he was to love her like she was his own body. Because she was his own body. And Christ loved the church as his own body because we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Oh, I'm telling you, the pictures of that Old Testament coming alive spiritually in in form of the church. And so he says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife uh, uh, loveth himself. Uh, You know, I think that's one of the great challenges, one of the great things that if we could get this across to every uh, young husband and every young bride, that uh, once they're married, he's to see her as him. <laughs> He's to see uh, not someone separate, uh, not someone they're striving together uh, uh, with, uh, uh, but so that's me. I'm to love her like me because she's part of my body. Now we're together. Uh, we're to be one together. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it. <laughs> Uh, nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. 
You begin to see this compound unity, how we're to be one, how we're to be together. Uh, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. We're him. He's a, we're a, we're a part of him. We we were in Christ when he died upon the cross, uh, and we've been resurrected spiritually. We were there. Uh, we were in him, and now he's brought us forth, my friends, resurrected us uh, to, to the newness of life. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So I'm telling you, great challenges there. But when we see, I think another one of those things that would help us uh, to see the vision, uh, uh, God's vision for the church. Uh, Yes, we're his building. Uh, Yes, we're his body. Oh, my friends, but we're his bride. (laughs) Uh, We're the one he gave himself for and died for and loved and cared for. He carried us inside of him, my friends, uh, and brought us forth from him. When we're born of the Spirit of God, all he's doing, my friends, is bringing forth another portion of that bride, another member of that body, bringing us together uh, uh, to be reunited together with him. One of these days. So if we could get that picture, we're his bride. Oh, I tell you, we're to be faithful to who? Not to everybody out here in this world. We're to be faithful to him. We're to be faithful to the one that loved us and died for us. Uh, uh, That picture there of us being the bride of Christ. Uh, Today, we've got so many churches, uh, uh, so many people that are Christian, supposed Christian churches uh, that aren't following Christ. Uh, How can we be following the, not be following the bridegroom uh, and being disciples and followers of him and his teachings and call ourselves his bride? Uh, It's a great challenge. uh, But if we can get that picture in our minds and say, we are the bride of Christ. Let us be faithful till he comes to get us to take us home. Oh, I tell you, he's coming. (laughs) He's coming one of these days. Uh, He's coming back to get his bride. Uh, He's coming just as sure as he came the first time. That was something uh, uh, Brother Adam emphasized as we were going through and looking at that, uh, what what is called uh, by many the Advent season, the Advent of the Lord coming. Uh, That first time, uh, the fact that he came the first time, which was prophesied and foretold throughout the scriptures, uh, that he was going to come. And he did. And uh, the fact that he did, well, it's also promised he's going to come back again. And he will. And what we're to do, in the meantime, we're to be faithful. We're to be faithful waiting on him that loved us. and Not only loved us, but loves us. (laughs) Not only did he love us, but he still loves us. So to be faithful to him and waiting for his coming because he's coming to take us home. So, if we can begin to, uh, uh, I, I hope in this coming year, and you think about, why are we here? <laughs> why, why do I come on Sunday morning? Well, I want to learn more about my bridegroom. I want to learn more about what he's done for us, what he's promised, uh, how he requires us to act while we're waiting on him. Uh, that's his vision for us, uh, that we'll be built upon his foundation, uh, being members of his body, uh, and being a, a bride waiting faithfully on him. That's Uh, If we can begin to see that that's who we are, (laughs) that's why we're here, that's what we're doing here, Uh, and being faithful.
faithful to worship and become disciples and followers uh, of him while we're waiting. Now, so uh, with all of that laid out now, it's taken me how many, two, I've taken me two months uh, uh, to talk about the building and the body and the bride. Now let's go on here this morning to talk a little bit about some principles that guide the church. So he talks about, uh, if we turn back over, and I want to turn him to the Old Testament, uh, because the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, you know, uh, there's a very popular preacher uh, uh, that recently said uh, something along the lines about, we just needed to get rid of the Old Testament. Y'all ask me, I'll tell you when I'm not standing up here, I'll tell you who it is. Uh, but big church over in Atlanta, uh, uh, over there, it says, uh, we just need to get rid of the Old Testament. It's old, out of, out of date. Uh, well, you know what you get rid of when you get rid of the Old Testament? Uh, you get rid of all the prophecy about the coming of Christ. <laughs> you get rid of all those things that are foretold uh, about, you get you get rid of things in Daniel that are about his second coming. Uh, you get rid of the Psalms and the Proverbs. You see what you're getting rid of? My goodness, friends. Uh, uh, so he tells us, if we turn over into the book of, of Deuteronomy this morning, uh, uh, and you get a lot of the places where uh, Jesus and the Apostle Paul, both on many occasions, says, it is written. Uh, well, uh, if you get rid of the Old Testament, where are you going to reference it? It's written uh, at anymore. Uh, so anyway, uh, there'll be no sign. Jesus said there'll be no sign given to this generation except the, the sign of Jonah the prophet. <laughs> As as uh, Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, uh, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Well, you can just get rid of that portion of Scripture there, I guess, because that's just him quoting from the Old Testament. Uh, well, no, I don't believe all that. Y'all know I don't. Uh, uh, but he tells us over here, turning into Deuteronomy now, chapter 6, uh, he begins to lay out some principles uh, uh, that will carry over into the New Testament uh, because Jesus teaches them to us uh, in the New Testament. Uh, here in Deuteronomy chapter 6... Uh, It says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do do them in the land whether you go to possess it. Uh, If you don't know the setting, the time uh, of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the children of Israel have wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Now they're coming out of it. Uh, They're getting ready to go over into the promised land after this long year of, uh, uh, after this 40 years of sojourning while all those above age of 19 died. And now the young folks that have grown up over the last 40 years, they get to be the ones that go in and possess the land uh, uh, that God had promised to them. And so it's been 40 years since uh, God gave the Ten Commandments uh, and the commandments to the children of Israel on the mountain there. So he's going back over some rules and guidelines uh, uh, that he would like them to uh, to implement. So he tells them, these are the commandments and the statutes which I've given uh, that, you will, uh, that you might teach that God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy, thy God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, that thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. So the commandments were given uh, for you, for your son, for your son's son. So we got at least three or four generations there laid out that these things were given to. If every generation would take up the thought process, I'm, why, another reason, why are we here, right? I'm here so that I might learn uh, and learn about my Lord and what the Lord's commanded me to do, uh, but that I might be able to teach these things to my son and to my son's son. 
and to my son's son's son. <laughs> that these things might, this is generational teaching. God had given them to teach them. Not just, I'm not just here for me. I think that's one of the, the me generation that we've got today uh, has fallen into the trap of thinking, the only reason I'm here is for me. <laughs> no, I'm not just here for me. I'm here for me and for my children and for my children's children. And I'm also here for Jesus, my Lord, and to worship Him. So it's more than just all about me. Uh, so he tells us uh, uh, here in these portions of Scripture, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. Oh, I... I always wanted to know what I could do that it might be well with me. And uh, and so I've got it right here in the book. Uh, Therefore, observe and do that it might be well with thee, that thou may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And so we, so we begin. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, And with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently uh, to thy children. And shalt talk to them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. And they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house uh, on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord." You know that's the biggest problem that uh, that people have today, and that's what that's America's problem. America's problem today is we've got jobs, we've got houses, uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, we've got food on the table, uh, not just once a day, but three times a day, and maybe for a lot of us, many more times than three times a day, uh, uh, because we're snacking in between and eating uh, and doing uh, and so forth. And he says, "Be careful when you go into Israel, uh, children of Israel, and you're going to have houses." that you didn't build. You're going to have wells that you didn't dig. You're going to have fruit trees, vineyards and olive trees and other things that thou didn't that you didn't plant. And when you eat and get full there, beware lest you forget the Lord. That's a, that's our problem. We're full. We're we're well blessed. We've got jobs, we've got things to help provide for us to have on the table, and our tendency then is to forget the Lord and forget that he's the one that blessed us with these things. Beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shall swear by his name. So, uh going back to what I wanted to quote start with to get into this, I guess Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. That's the first commandment that, that was given to the children of Israel uh, and the first command of the commandments uh, that we should have. We should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and our might. And I'll tell you, uh, that is something for us to, as we go through this new year, as a church uh, and as individuals and members of that church and church body, gauge ourselves and say, do I love the Lord 
with all my heart and soul. And I can tell you the answer to it already. The answer is no. None of us really love him like we should. But we ought to be striving to love him more. Uh, and to fight and to stop and pause and be thankful and love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And if we're, if we're loving Him uh, that much, and if we're seeing how much He died for us and care, cared for us, uh, then uh, there's a couple of things that will begin to happen. One, we're going to love His Word. And we're going to, going to want to know more about His Word. And uh, uh, being at church to hear about His Word will become a blessing and a joy and not something that's a pain uh, that we have to do or uh, I guess I've got to do today. Uh, uh, it'll become a joy to serve Him, and then we'll become to begin to apply this in our lives. And He tells us when we do, that it may be well with thee. Uh, you know, the children of Israel, uh, we, that's, uh, me and Darcy had a lot of fun reading through the, the book of Jeremiah and talking about what Jeremiah was prophesying to the people. And, and uh, uh, it basically came down to they had turned to every type of idol, that you could think of. Uh, they had began to worship Baal. And they had burned incense to the wrong gods. And they had sacrificed to the wrong gods. And they were even sacrificing their children uh, to Molech. And doing all these types of things. And, and God allowed this for a period of time. God, God uh, he never was happy with it. But he kept going to and sending them prophets saying, if you'll just turn, if you'll just repent, if you'll turn back to me, I'll heal your land. Uh, but they didn't do that. And so finally, uh, he comes in and Jeremiah is a prophet that said to him that says, uh, he's going to send you into captivity down to Babylon. And the king of Babylon is going to come in. He called him by name, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, uh, he's going to come in and he's going to destroy your houses. Uh, he's going to destroy your city. He's going to burn down your gates, uh, and, and the priests are going to be killed, uh, and, and uh, uh, the king, sometimes he would say, well, the king might be spared, but all his family's going to be killed, and not only he'll be spared, but he's going to be carried off down into Bab Babylon to captivity. Uh, in fact, Zedekiah, if I remember the, the stories that I've been reading on this, uh, uh, they killed all of Zedekiah's family, took him captive, put his eyes out put his eyes out and carried him off down to Babylon to finish out his days. That was, that was his punishment for how he had been leading the children of Israel and, not, and the priest had been leading the children of Israel. And instead of teaching them to follow God, they were just letting whatever go, whatever goes. You know, just go do whatever you want to do. It'll be okay. Well, it was okay till one day when God said, I've had enough of this. And I'm telling you, uh, that's what we're looking at. We're, we're looking at dead in the face, uh, both in America and in this. Uh, and, and I know by the Bible, I can tell you assuredly, uh, uh, the things are going to, wicked men are going to get worse and worse. And one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come back in the clouds and go put an end to it all, okay? Uh, but uh, in the meantime, as we as churches here in this, we might just be the very last light. In our community, we don't. I mean, we may be. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, uh, if we stay strong and stay true to this, we may be the last light in in, in the community someday. But uh, that's our job. Uh, it's our job to train up our children uh, and our children's children. Uh, and maybe there will be a few because there were those that even in Jeremiah's prophecies, there were those that were allowed to stay in the land of Judah, and God spared them. 
there were the others. Uh, uh, he told them, said, uh, you, you go ahead, flee off down to Egypt. <clears throat> I'm going to send Nebuchadnezzar down there and he's going to destroy you down there too. <laughs> and, and for those that tried to flee from the, from the attacks and those that had not been faithful to the Lord... He just sent Nebuchadnezzar's army to wherever they were and he destroyed them whether they were in Egypt or whether they were in Ammon or whether they were in Moab or or wherever they were. He just sent them there and destroyed them anyway. Uh, Why? Uh, Because he had had enough of it, my friends. Uh, We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. And then, uh, uh, and as you know, uh, uh, the second commandment is like the first and we'll get to that. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 23. Uh, because we read all that, and uh, this just goes to show you, Key, I don't know how in the world, you know, sometimes sometimes people that are intelligent, sometimes they're intelligent beyond my, uh, beyond my thinking, uh, or whatever that might be, but how someone that you, you know has to probably is fairly intelligent can say, you can just uh, do away, we need to just do away, <clears throat> do away with this Old Testament, it's got to be plum crazy uh, or maybe his his uh, his spiritual mind's been removed from him i don't know but in matthew chapter 23 we'll turn down to verse 37 uh and we'll read uh, uh, beginning there O jerusalem jerusalem thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee how often would i have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chicks under her, under herself <clears throat> under her wings and ye would not Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say, say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So uh, uh, we, we see, uh, again, he's pronouncing, this is Jesus now in the New Testament, pronouncing the same kind of condemnation on them uh, that, uh, that had been pronounced uh, on the children of Israel in Jeremiah's day. Let's turn back uh, to chapter 22. And he says, uh, and this he says, uh, and leading up to that. <clears throat> and I'll read, I'll read just a little bit above that. Let's go to verse 34 of uh, Matthew 22. And when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, and uh, the Pharisees were very strict legalists, uh, and the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, uh, but when the uh, Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence about the resurrection, uh, he says, they were gathered together, and then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. He just quoted from Deuteronomy, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> and, and he said, The second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Because if you sum up the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are about loving God and about serving God. The last six commandments are about how you should be treat your neighbors. Uh, uh, thou, thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not uh, uh, steal. Thou shall not do all those things. That's how you treat your neighbors. That's how you treat each other, uh, one another in a church, and all those kind of things. So, uh, Oh, he, he, Jesus took those two great prince, uh, those all those great commandments over in the Old Testament, pulls them together, and says, "Here's the two great commandments: love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, uh, and love thy neighbor as thyself." On these two things uh, rest all the law and the prophets. So, if we want to know what's the law and the prophets teach, uh, that's what it teaches. Uh, that's why. 
what we as a New Testament church should be setting up our God's vision for the church. We're a place that loves each other. Uh, by this shall all men know that you're our... And we love Him. We love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. We love Him and we love each other and we love our neighbors. Uh, uh, that's what makes us different. Uh, uh, so He tells us, uh, uh, this is how we begin to form ourselves and think about what makes us different. Why are we here? We're to learn about this. Uh, uh, even as Brother Adam has mentioned to us several times in going through uh, uh, the book of Matthew, uh, if we turn back over there to about the 6th or 7th chapter, he tells us also, love your enemies. <laughs> Whew, that's a, uh, brother, I was, I was doing pretty good on the loving my, oh, you mean some of my neighbors might be my enemies? Uh, yeah, that's possible. Uh, could be. Uh, it's possible. Uh, so we, uh, as we think about loving him and loving our neighbors, it might even sometimes mean being kind to those who are not kind to us. Uh, uh, and, and so that, that carries on with that. So let's turn over to Hebrews. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll just get another piece of this uh, that, that we trust uh, plays into seeing what our, what God's, what's God's vision. What's God's vision for the church? You know, I, uh, I can get up here, you know, a lot of times I, I probably have foolishly done some of this and probably with at least uh, with good intentions, get up at the first of the year and talk about a sermon about, you know, hopefully things looking out across the new year. Um, but maybe that was Charles's vision. I want to talk to you today about God's vision for the church and about how he would have us to do. So uh, let's turn over to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and we'll drop down to verse 28 and 29. Uh, <clears throat> Wherefore we receive in a kingdom which cannot, which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Uh, I think back to about Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah, <laughs> again, me, me and Darcy have had a great lot of fun reading through the book of Jeremiah and just seeing all the trials. You know, Jeremiah would go and he'd tell them the truth about what God had told him. And they'd say, that's, God didn't tell you that. <laughs> that's, that's, you got that from Barak of the, of the, of Ammon, you know. And then the next thing you know, Jeremiah's in prison. <laughs> you know, and he'd tell them, don't go down to Egypt. Uh, God said, you need to stay here. If you'd stay here, he'd give you the land. <laughs> well, where'd they go? They went to Egypt. <laughs> and they carried Jeremiah with them. And Jeremiah got down there and he prophesied against them while he was down there. And the next thing you know, Jeremiah's back in prison again. You know, so, I mean, it was this, it was this cycle of, well, there's one of these occasions in there where Jeremiah, you know, he'd, he'd gotten so frustrated, he'd go tell them what the God had said. God has said this. And the next thing you know, they're rejecting it. They're doing what they want to do. Jeremiah says, I quit. <laughs> I'm not going to speak anymore in the name of the Lord. That's it. I've had it. I'm done. <clears throat> and then a few verses later, it says, but the word of God was like a fire shut up in my bosom. <laughs> and I couldn't withhold. <laughs> Jer Jeremiah, could, he had to go back and do what God called him to do. <laughs> God called him to preach and to tell the people the truth. And even though they were throwing him in prison and tearing him and mistreating him, and he got mad and frustrated... I like old Jeremiah. He sounds like, I mean, I, I can relate to Jeremiah. <laughs> he, he got tired, you know, and said, I'm done with all this. I'm, oh, well, okay, I got to go back to it. God, that's what God wants me to do. <laughs> and so uh, he says, wherefore, re receiving a kingdom 
which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence. I think today, I think today uh, among so many of the Christian people, uh, I'm afraid reverence has moved out of their worship of God. They don't hold him in high esteem. They don't see he's the king of kings and lord of lords. They don't see him as their bridegroom that they're waiting on. They don't see him as someone there to adore and to worship and to care about. And uh, and what does that word worship mean, by the way? <laughs> yeah, That word worship literally means to bow down or fall prostrate before our God. So today we have a lot of praise and worship services. But in the worship, there's not a whole lot of people falling down, prostrate, and bowing before God. Uh, And so uh, as we think about our worship, as we worship Him, as we come together to worship Him, let us bow down in, in our minds and bow down in our hearts. Let us submit ourselves to the great king of kings, our great husbandman. Let that be a principle. If we think about what are the principles of the church, one of the principles is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, to worship him, to bow down before him, submit ourselves to him, and uh, and come together. Uh, so, so as we think about this, and, and there's a couple examples that I was looking through and studying about this. Uh, one of the examples where the word worship is used. Uh, if we turn over to the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis, we'll find Abraham uh, called upon by God to go and to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, and to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And so the Bible records for us that Abraham rose up early in the morning. He took wood and he took fire. He took wood for the altar and fire to, uh, for the sacrifice. And he set out on a three-day journey. Interesting, three days. Uh, three-day journey. And they end up at Mount Moriah. And as they get to the foot of Mount Moriah, he tells the servant that has gone with them, you wait here while the lad and I go yonder to worship. The idea of worship was sacrifice. He was going to sacrifice something to God. He was going to sacrifice his very best, <laughs> his only begotten. And so one of the ideas of bowing down, and, and that word actually means literally to bow down and fall prostrate, is to submit ourselves to him and what he commands us to do. And, and so Abraham submitted himself to do and to go up to that mountain and to uh, sacrifice his son And God stayed his hand. Oh, but Abraham's faith was tried there that day. So that's one portion. Uh, If we also turn, uh, uh, and let's turn to John chapter 4, and we'll also find over there, I think I I know uh, where this is going, but we'll turn to John chapter 4, and we'll read a portion of Scripture there as well. In verse uh, John John chapter 4, Help if I get to John chapter 4. He says this. <clears throat> and he's talking to the woman that, at the well. Uh, and we could read back above that a little bit. It says, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither uh, when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, there will no longer be a designated place that you have to go to to worship God. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit 
and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So as we gather together uh, weekly here to learn from God's word, now, I, I want to encourage you, uh, you know, among the Old Testament early, early scriptures, uh, and, and I know everybody can't, uh, but I just want to encourage you and encourage each other. We're going to be getting together on Wednesday nights and studying the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, to me, in the Old Testament is one of the most interesting uh, exciting, uh, you know, it's it's got stories in it, you know, about how God interacted with the children of Israel in the wilderness, and 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 it's just stories you can remember uh, about how God's dealings with the children of Israel. Brother Adam's going to be doing that on Wednesday night. It's a part of God's word. Let us let us come together. Let us worship Him in spirit and in truth. Love Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And let us set that out as our, our goal. That's our goal for this coming year is to become more worshipful of Him, more reverent to Him, more loving to Him, and in loving Him, loving one another and loving our neighbors. And I'll tell you, if we do, if we do that, if we, if we just kind of do a pretty good job of that, I think there'll be a, uh, His light will shine out in our lives. And I think one thing, you know, for us, it's it's so important. I think that as we as we begin to put these principles into practice in our life, we're not so bitter. You know, we can we can kind of take the world, uh, all the politics and all the other stuff that drags people down. So you know what? This is all just for a little while. One of these days, God's going to say, "I've had enough of that." And he's going to come back and it's all going to be put to an end. And in the meantime, you won't become so bitter and so aggravated and so mad. And you can kind of, li- kind of through the Spirit of God, lift yourself up above it and say, You know what? That's not my problem. My problem is I need to love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. And just go about worshiping him every day. Thankful for what God has done for us. So may God bless you as we continue to look at the, the principles now of that God would have us apply as a church. As we think about being that bride, being that building, being that body, being that body member for him. May God bless you uh, in this coming year.